My name's Nate, if you haven't met me yet. I'm part of the team here at Hope, and we are in week two of our brand new summer series called Solo. It's all about character and integrity, consistency of God, and consistency with us. And if applied, we believe that this solo series is going to take you so high. Everybody say so high. Solo cups. They're like iconic party symbols, aren't they? You'll see these all over your summer parties, graduation parties, just good hoedown parties. Lots of showdowns and throwdowns happen with solo cups, right? Solo cups. Almost every party you will run into these carriers, and that's what they are. They're carriers. They're cups that carry the party from wherever to your lips. For a moment on your lips and forever on your hips. No, I'm sure. But really, it's like, it's like it carries the party. That's what it does. It's a cup that carries the party. Last week, we saw character is the cup that carries the party, we said. Character is the cup that carries the anointing. And anointing is simply that God ability, that God factor, that extra on your ordinary, that super on your ordinary, the super, supernatural, super on your natural, right? Isaiah 10, 27 defines the anointing as the burden removing, come on, yoke destroying power of God. Burden removing, that's partying to me. I mean, that's, that's like party talk. Yoke destroying, that means like every bondage destroyed in Jesus' name and releasing people into freedom and into fullness of life. The anointing is what delivers God's people and set the captives free. The anointing is literally God on people doing what people can't do. It's his super on your natural efforts. And again, it's your character that's the cup that carries that anointing, that God factor. Character is just like a vessel, the cup that carries God's power to break bondages and break brokenness off of other people's life. It's what your character is what carries the real party to the people around you. And I don't know about you, but I am passionate about getting the party that I found in Jesus to the people around me. I want the party to get to the people. And so I'm willing to be a cup. I'm willing to be a vessel. I'm willing to be whatever it takes. I want to build the cup so I can carry the party to more and more people in a powerful, yoke-breaking way. How about you? Are you living just to survive with Jesus, or are you living to fill up somebody else's cup? Mazel tov, right? Come on, we want to fill up other cups. We want to be overflowing. We want to be splashing out, splashing over. We want to live out of the overflow of what Jesus has done in us and Jesus has done through us. We want it to get out to other people. It takes character to hold something that's that attractive. It takes character and consistency to keep giving away something that you own that well. Come on, if you hold it in your vessel, you can give it away to another vessel. And God wants to use you. Everybody say me. As his agent of power, too sweet to be sour, by giving you his anointing that breaks off bondages and breaks off strongholds off of other people's lives. He wants to use you. Come on, if you believe he wants to use you, say yes. I say yes. I'll build whatever you want me to build. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll carry whatever you want me to carry. If it's me being used by God, I am passionate about getting the party that I have on the inside to the people on the outside. Amen. At first glance, you know, normal places, normal people would say character developments. Oh, many. Boring. Blah. Nasty. Just, oh, disciplined. Bootstraps. Old school. I don't know about that. But wait a minute. That solo cup carries the party. The life of the party. And I want you to know your character is so powerful. 
And really, I love success, but what makes the difference in long-term success is your character. It's that longevity of legacy that keeps living long after you're gone. Anybody interested in living past your life? And that really is held together by your character. It's, it's long and lasting success. It's necessary. Your character is necessary for true success. Are you with me? I'm not just interested in temporary success, success for five years. I want long-lasting legacy type success, life after my life success. I want life to keep on being better because I step foot on the planet when I'm gone. Amen? You know, I've been looking at the history. I've been looking at the history of solo cups, the red solo cup for certain, okay, because there's been different different. Things. And over the years, the company has always been in the party vessel industry. But over the years, they have course corrected. Everybody say course corrected. The uh, solo company has course corrected many times to get to their tremendous success today. They went from multi-use containers, like you use them over and over and over, to one-time use containers, which is kind of like a stretch, right? Especially in a changing world, people will throw stuff away. They'll use it one and done. It's like from the 60s and 40s, it just started shifting from this multi-use container to this solo use, one-time use container. That's where they got the name solo from. You use it one time. Party to the lips, throw it away, okay? And they've gone through different, um, different, different, different things. Like they had clear cups, blue cups, yellow cups, correction after correction, until finally they went in the final direction of the red solo cup. At least that's their current course of success, the red solo cup, to the point where they make 7.4 billion of these things a year. That's a lot of cups. You guys catching what I'm saying? Correction and direction, correction and redirection is the key to building something great. And if they're going to keep up, I bet you in 2027 or 2034, they're going to have to course correct again and course correct again. But there's always going to be a need for a cup, a vessel to get the party to the lips. Are you catching me? Correction to the cup time after time has led to greatness of an iconic Cheap <laughs> cup that's everywhere, and everybody knows. There's songs about the solo cup. I encourage you to check them out later, okay? Character is the cup, and character is built the same way any great thing is built, through correction. Now, I'm coming after you this morning, but I want you to catch it, because correction is not to hurt you. Correction is to help you. Character and long-lasting things, things that are of greatness, are built through Correction. Everybody say it with me. Correction. And in the case of course correction, life correction, life altercations, you know, now naturally ever since we were babies as humans, we innately push back against correction. Don't touch that, honey. No. Right. That's what babies do. They push back on correction. But honestly, correction only comes from people who care. I'll let any baby do anything if they're not my baby. Why? Because I don't care. You got to learn the lesson, honey. But if I correct my child before he touches that thing or goes after that thing or falls down those steps, I'm like, I, I'm correcting you because I care. 
I don't want to see bruises all over your face, burns all over your hands. Here's the thing. If you don't care about me, you won't ever correct me. And you won't ever be able to truly help build my character. If you do care, you will love me enough to correct me, to inform me, to teach me, to preemptively direct me. And in doing so, you will help me develop my character, the thing that's going to make me have long-term success. Hebrews 12, 6 says it like this, and I love this. My dear children, my dear child, hey, honey child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's like, don't take it so personal, but don't blow it off. Don't be crushed by it. I love this verse. You love this verse? Don't be crushed by it, and also, don't shrug it off. It's the child that God loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces. I mean, the ones he likes, he corrects. See, with God, correction is never rejection. It's only direction. Discipline from God gets to direction from God. Discipline is to get to direction. Nothing else. That's point number one. With God, correction is never, ever say never, never rejection. It's only direction. He, it's the child that he loves that he disciplines. It's the child he embraces that he corrects. I don't know about your parents, but my parents strongly believed and parent me, parented me according to Proverbs 13, 24 from the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. He said, whoever spares the rod of correction hates their children. That's the way my parents parented me. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to correct them. Is careful. Is paying attention to direction. To discipline. Now, I know you guys are like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hates their children? Yeah. Whoever spares correction hates their children. That word literally translated in the Hebrew means to love less. I'm not saying you don't love your kids. I'm just saying you love them less. Hate means love less. But the one who loves their children more is careful to discipline them, careful to correct. I would say it like this, careful to invest, careful to direct their lives, or discipline their lives. And we're not talking about abuse. See, people hear the rod and they think abuse. We're talking about paying attention. Paying attention to your children. You know how many parents just simply do not pay attention, therefore there is no correction and no discipline and no direction. It's all just rejection by no attention. I'm talking not about abuse. I'm talking about attention. Ever say attention. Giving your kids enough attention to actually take the time to bring correction, accountability, follow through, discipline. When I say something, I follow it up with I actually do something. It's not like you're grounded, there's your discipline, and then in two days you're just off the hook. Oh, I forgot. There's no accountability. I don't really pay that much attention to you. It's supposed to be for whatever, whatever, and then it's like, yeah, I know your dad said whatever, but let's go to the mall. Let's go do something. I don't know, whatever people do these days. It's not the mall. We know that. I was in the mall the other day. Yesterday I was like, oh, my gosh, They're, all the stores are gone. There's one store in the mall with a lot of little stores. I'm like, man, even those are close. Have you guys been to the mall lately? It's desolate. It's sad. So I don't know. We'll just go do whatever is what I'm saying. 
But attention follows through. Attention holds accountable. Again, we're not talking about abuse. We're talking about paying attention. See, I felt structure and I felt secure when my parents get it corrected me, when they disciplined me. Why? Why? The fact that the discipline came after my bad decision let me know they actually cared. You still care about me? Enough to correct me? Enough to direct me? You still care and I'm this creepy? You still care and I'm this much of a jerk? You still care even though I slap your face with disobedience every time I do what I want to do. You catch what I'm saying? You still like me? You still love me? You're still going to be consistent with me? You still care enough to correct me when I'm clearly telling you I don't give a darn with my actions? They care enough to take the time, the energy to bring correction to help me. You are sending messages to your children if you stop caring. Or you just let them roll, let it roll, let it roll, let it roll, let it roll. It's just not, it's not not loving them, it's just loving them less. I love Psalms 23 verse 1, memorized it as a kid. My favorite psalm growing up, where David shows us his relationship with God's character building correction. We're going to get insight to one of the most sensitive, most powerful warrior worshipers in his relationship with God through character building correction. He says it like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want I love that I don't want anything because I got a great shepherd I have lack no good thing no good thing he withholds from me I can just preach for a while here but I'm just gonna keep moving he makes me he doesn't ask me he makes me he doesn't think about it he doesn't say how are you feeling today he makes me lie down in good things green chompy pastures he makes me sit beside still waters he restores my soul whether I want him to or not he leads me. Come on, he's a path maker. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's hard not to preach this. Come on, people of hope, it's hard. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through tough stuff, I don't fear anxiety. I have no anxiety, for he is with me. Now listen, I will not fear evil. I know you're with me. Look at the next verse. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, this is character building correction. A shepherd in the Hebrew times, he had a, a long rod. Sometimes these rods had hooks on the end, right? It wasn't a beating rod. It was a correctional rod. It was a correctional, directional instrument. So when they were taking sheep from one place to another and one of the sheep might go astray. By the way, your Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. If you think you've always been, and it's always been, no, we all, ever say we all, like sheepies, have gone astray. But when you begin to have the one sheep that wants to wander off, he takes the rod and he taps the sheep with it. Boop. Ever say boop. Sometimes they had hooks on them, and he'd reach out, and he'd hook the sheep back in. Hook the sheep right back in. He got a little hook, hook, boop. And the rod and the staff. Begin to bring the sheep back into the fold, back into community, back into life to the fullest. And then when the other one over here begins to like step out of the way and go away and go astray, he taps it and brings that one back into line. And that rod becomes a comfort, a place of comfort for the sheep. Why would a rod comfort me? Because it let the sheep know where they could flourish safely and freely. 
It's not about everything the sheep can't do and everywhere they can't go. It's about giving them a life to the fullest in a place of unlimited security, safety, and enjoyment. So you can see God as a bad shepherd or you can see him as a good shepherd. You can resist a tap or you can enjoy the tap. Because he's keeping you safe and bringing you to a life to the fullest where he will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside still waters so your little fluffy beard on your, on your lamb neck won't drown in moving water. He'll get you to the still waters. And he will restore your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what we talked about last week. He'll get your mind right. He'll get your will right. And he'll get your emotions right. It's about giving you a place of Life to the fullest in unlimited security. I want to tell you this morning, your God, he's not a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd with good things in store for his people. He has plans to bless you and to build your life, to bless and to build you. He's actually looking for excuses to bless you, but he also loves you enough to correct and direct you. You know why? Why does he want to correct and direct you? So that you do not abort your destiny by going astray. You do not want to abort what God has for you just by, by being astray. It's so easy to go astray. It's so thank I'm so thankful for a God who brings direction. He corrects those that he loves. He has a high calling for those that he loves. He has joy-filled anticipation and expectation from your life. Why? Because he believes in you. Because he loves you. Because he sees what you're capable of. He's actually rooting you on in life and at the same time using his rod to correct you. He's like, you can do it. You can do it. Here's my rod. He's rooting you and rotting you and rooting you and rotting you. He believes in you. And if you see him right, if you see him like David saw him, his rod and his staff, they comfort you. His correction brings comfort. You still care about me? You still give a, about me? And you've seen what I've been doing? You've seen where I've been going? You know my inward man. You know my thoughts so far. And you still like me even though I think like a crazy person? See, God is not in any way abusive. He doesn't get pleasure out of popping you in the head. But sometimes you can feel the gentle nudge, the gentle tap of God letting you know you're getting away from community. You're getting isolated, little sheepy. You are running away. You are losing yourself. You're spiraling, little sheepy. And God can come around you on this side and let you know you don't need to be here. You don't need to be around them. You're spiraling. You don't have to keep putting yourself in these unhealthy and unsafe situations, sweetheart. Because he doesn't want to watch such a sweet little sheep destroy their life. They say, you don't have to be here, baby. Honey, you don't have to be this unhealthy. You don't have to live with unhealthy talk like this. You do not have to listen to this every day. You're worth more than this little sheepy. What's worse? I'd say a little correction, a wake-up call, or a self-inflicted crisis. What's worse? What's worse? What's worse? Correction or crisis? I choose a little correction rather than a huge crisis that I cause. Come on. I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to be isolated. 
I don't want to get left behind out of community. I don't want to spiral like a little sheepy spiral. I want a little correction to give me large direction so that I don't land in a crisis with some wolves or something. Or a crisis in drowning in fast waters. Or a crisis in everything not being as green as it looked on the other side. And so you'll feel the rod of correction and direction from God. But correction is not him rejecting me. Let's say it together. Correction is never rejection. It's the opposite. It means my good shepherd, he loves me. He cares for me. He comforts me. And I know that he has best for me. The biggest test in the garden is, is God withholding from you? And my, my answer is no, he's a good shepherd. He never withholds any good gift from his children. He never withholds anything. And I trust him. I trust when he says no, it's good for me. I trust when he says yes, it's good for me. I trust his rod and his staff. It actually brings me comfort. God knows that broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to development and destiny. To righteousness. That's the Bible right there. Broad is the way. Do whatever you want that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way. Hey, over here. Over here. Narrow is the way that leads to direction and destiny. And the purpose of discipline from the outside is to create discipline and direction on the inside. All the outside stuff is to get to the inside stuff. So my hope as a father is that when I correct my children externally, that it is creating a value system in them internally. Anybody with me? Come on. Why? So the next time, God doesn't have to correct you. You will correct yourself. You will police yourself. You will govern yourself. Somebody take a minute and thank God for caring enough to correct you so you can correct yourself. Who loves you enough to direct you. My God, I thank you for your correction. My God, I thank you for your direction. I thank you. Who am I? I like to say, who am I that you're mindful of me, that you keep on thinking about me, that you keep caring about me, much less you love me enough to course correct me into success that's long-term? Even Solo Cup Company does that. Thank you, God, for course correcting me into success that lasts long-term. My God, you're amazing. The way you care for me and keep on caring about me, it's mind-blowing. Come on, praise him one more time with me. I say thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for caring about me. Nobody cares about me the way you care about me. Nobody pays attention to me the way you pay attention to me. You are the most selfless being in the whole universe. The way you give me your attention, I'm the apple of your eye. You know the hairs on my head. You know my inward parts. You know me inside, outside, and you still care. I'm so thankful for a God who gives a rat, a rip, a rip. Just keep adjusting my words this morning. Are you, are you with me? I say, man, he's such a good, 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 good shepherd that keeps on setting me up for success. So last week we talked about Galatians 5, 22, 23. Anybody get anything out of last week? Yeah. We talked about the fruits. Yeah. <clears throat> this is where he lists the fruits of the spirit. These are godly characteristics. Characteristics, okay? The writer lists the character of God. And he says, you be like this. Have this fruit in your life. Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Oh, my gosh, he's so good. Faithful. We sang it this morning. He is faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Against such, there is no law. 
The word law means charge or accusation against. People who live bearing this fruit in their life, there is no charge or accusation that can be brought against them that actually sticks. In other words, what accusation are you going to bring against a, a loving person, a joyful person, a peaceful person, a long-suffering person, a kind, a good, a faithful person, a gentle, self-controlled person? What, what's the charge again? It's kind of like the story doesn't stick. The story doesn't stick the same way. I mean, you can say anything about anybody and bring all sorts of accusation, but the story doesn't stick. Are you catching me? Because they just keep producing the opposite of the accusation. This week, I want to take you further. You ready to go further? The gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they are different things from the same person. I want to tell you, you need, you want, you got to, you want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure you catch it. The Holy Spirit gives gifts and the Holy Spirit develops fruit. He gives gifts, and he develops fruit. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he's our comforter. Hello, you're rotting your staff day. Comforter. He's our comforter. He's also known as our counselor and our corrector. He brings conviction, never condemnation. Conviction, never condemnation. And the difference is conviction calls up and builds up. It builds your character. It calls you up. Condemnation crushes you down and beats you down. That's point number two this morning if you're taking notes. One of the major functions of the Holy Spirit is conviction, never condemnation. I love the Holy Spirit because he only ever brings conviction. Conviction calls up and builds up. Condemnation crushes you up and beats you up. Not only does the Holy Spirit do all of these things, right? Counselor, comforter, corrector. He's also responsible for the giving of gifts and the development of fruit. There's a difference. Gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic utterances, miracles. There's gifts of faith, gifts of leadership. Those are some of the gifts of the Spirit of God. You can look them up in Romans 12, Romans 14, see what we're talking about, okay? But the important thing I want you to catch as we are talking about character today is this. A gift tells you nothing about the recipient. It only tells you about the giver. So when you see somebody operating in a great gift, let's say a preacher on a stage. Let's say he operates in a tremendous gift of communication, inspiration, and he knows how to get revelation from the Word of God and make it so relevant and relatable. I'm talking about revelation with application that leads to transformation. I'm talking about not just impressive speech, but it's impactful speech. I'm talking about not only sensational, but substantial. This is what we're talking about. Imagine somebody, I mean, this person is gifted by God. This person's got it. This person's on fire. This girl is on fire, right? They're just so good. They're so gifted. Came from God. That gift does not tell you anything about how much that teacher loves God. It tells you how much God loves that teacher. This person's on fire. Really, the gift giver's on fire. Uh. I'm sorry, I just made it real bad. Sorry. I think it's J-Lo. But maybe you'll catch it if it's like this. I can give my wife a gift, right? And it doesn't tell you how much she loves me. It tells you how much I love her. 
Michael from The Office, I don't know if you're an Office fan, but Michael from The Office, he has this Christmas party, and he's like, I love Christmas because it tells you, I love you this many dollars worth. <laughs> All right? Are you catching me? It's not about the recipient, it's about the giver. It tells you how much I love her, how much I, I, I think of them. I love you this many dollars worth. It's like $400 for an iPad. That's how much I love you. But oftentimes... When the Spirit gives gifts to people, and we do this all the time, and we watch somebody operating in their greatness and their gift, we think, wow, that person must really love God. But their gift has nothing to do with their love for God. It has everything to do with God's love for them. Because that is the nature of a gift. And we need to be sure to know that when gifts are given, love is not always exchanged. Ever given a, a gift, maybe you guys can relate to this, to the wrong girlfriend, and love was not exchanged? Gifts. <laughs> Lawrence is laughing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you give a gift to somebody, and love's not necessarily exchanged? This morning I got a gift, and no love was exchanged. It's like, thank you. I don't love you. <laughs> I'm showing you. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. No, I'm, I'm just messing around. But seriously, when gifts are given... It's a one-way exchange. When gifts are given, love is not always exchanged. So the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he just gives us gifts like, boom, didn't earn it, can't deserve it, couldn't work for it. You're born that way, baby. You just innately were gifted by the Holy Spirit of God to get you to that way. There are Christian people and non-Christian people who are horribly misusing their gifts right now. It doesn't mean love is of an exchange just because you're gifted. People in church, people outside of church, using gifts that God gave them for their own pleasure and their own success or their own survival in life. Many people use their gifts to survive. Many people use their gifts to succeed. But because it's a true gift, and I want you to catch the nature of God, because it's a true gift, the Spirit of God makes no demand after he gives that gift. There are no strings attached with the gifts God's given you. He completely trusts you to be a steward of what he gave you. He gives it to you without repentance, the Bible says. The gifts of God are without repentance, which means no turning. To repent means to turn around. Without repentance means I'll never take it back. I'll never turn around. No turning around and taking those gifts back from God. He gave them to you without repentance. And he only operates... Through surrender. The Holy Spirit of God only operates through surrender. He lets the recipient of the gift willingly offer it back for his use. So that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, number one. Right? But now let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're almost done. We're not too far. Fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Notice that the fruit is nothing that you could do on a stage. It's not really like things that you use to survive or succeed. Kindness. Is that a stage act? Kindness. You know. Gentleness. Let me just perform gentleness for you. It's really hard. Well, he's so gentle. <laughs> like said no one about Pastor Nate, right? Gentle. Gentle. Love. Peace. Mushblava. Where's the stage act, right? Long suffering. Oh, that's a really tough one to do on a stage. Self-control. These are not stage acts. 
These are attitudes and godly characteristics that describe who a person is at their core through course correction. Through course correction. Who have you become at your core, your core values, through course correction? Which doesn't make them more spiritual or more special. Fruit doesn't make you more spiritual. Fruit doesn't make you more special. It's just different. Gifts are not fruit, and fruits are not gifts. But they both come from the Holy Spirit. One is not better than the other. They are both byproducts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts and fruit. Fruit and gifts. But they are very different in their nature. The fruit of the Spirit describes who a person is at their core. The character. Gifts are a result of the giver loving. The re- oh, oh, no. Gifts are the result of the giver loving the recipient. Yes. Fruit is different in the fact it's not given. It's grown. I want you to say this. Fruit grows. Gifts are given. That's point number three today. Fruit grows. Gifts are given. There's a difference. Gifts are like, whoo, got it. You don't. Fruit is like, whoo, a lifelong process of development and character and growth and spiritual maturity. And you cannot have fruit without intimacy. You can, however, receive a gift without relationship. Fruit comes from being intimate with God and allowing him to course correct and build your character. Gifts are given even if you don't know God, love God. Brittany's got gift. Justin's got gift. Everybody's got gifts. Will's got gifts. Every comedian's gifted. They're just given from God. But fruit comes from relationship with God. Almost anybody could give you a gift that you don't deserve. I want to make sure that you catch this, so I'm saying it one more time. You ready? Just because you see someone operating in a high level of power and skill and giftedness does not mean that they love God. And it shows you nothing about their relationship with God. But when you see somebody who's long-suffering, who has the ability to love an unlovable person and just keep on loving them, who has that crazy child that never comes back around, but their love is unwavering towards them, who commits themselves to other people's success, even if it has nothing to do with them getting the credit. Kind people. They're kind to their waitresses. They're kind to the cashier. Gentle people. They're gentle with their children. They're gentle with their spouse. Patient people. They're patient in traffic. They're patient and they're sweet to strangers. They're self-controlled people. They control their language to be words of life only. They don't just say whatever comes to their head. They control their mouth. This is the fruit of the Spirit. These things are not gifts that are given. These things are fruit that is grown. And what's it take to get some fruit in your life? Time, usually. And intimacy. In other words, when I see somebody operate in Galatians 5, and 23, it shows me I can trust them. Because that fruit can only be there as a result of surrender to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen by the work of your flesh, your mind, your will, your emotions, your soulish man. It's only spirit to spirit. My heart cries out. I want to cry. I cry out to you, God. I want to grow in intimacy. So it's time to, it's time spent. This is how fruit produces. It's time spent and surrender. Time spent and surrender to the Holy Spirit that allows that fruit to grow and be developed on the inside of you. I'm so thankful that God has surrounded me with gifted people. Are you hearing me? Gifted people. People that he has just straight up gifted. There are gifted people all over the place in Hope Church. Are you catching me? 
Aren't you thankful for gifted people? That's the work of God. That really is. And it's no less special. But I want to tell you, you cannot be enamored with gifts and personality and charm so that you miss the essence of who someone really is. You don't want to be so enamored with their gifts that you miss the essence of who somebody really is becoming. Gifts can fool you, but it's not as easy to fake the fruit. A lot of people do it for about an hour and a half every Sunday. Oh, I'm gentle. Yeah, but you go home and you're, you're an animal. It's harder to fake long term. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The people who live with you know the fruit. They don't know the facade like everybody else. A lack of character is showing facade and having no fruit. It's not integral. You're two people. You're one way at home with safe people, and you're another way in the public with people you, don't, you work with, people you want to respect you, people at church, people at your club, right? That's a facade. It's not fruit. But fruit is not as easily faked. I would say it's, it's impossible to fake fruit, but people do it all the time because you can fake it for a couple hours at a time. But I'm talking about real fruit that remains. As we close today, I want you to catch this. It's Romans 8, 28. Man, we love this verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's our big scripture when we have no idea what the heck is going on around us. Let's slap it on all sorts of corona, right? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Even Netflix stole this verse in their show Manifest. Anybody see Manifest? It's like, oh, all, all things work together for good. People love that verse. But there's a lot of scripture around it, and you can't just pull it out and paste it across everything in your life that's not going well. Are you catching me? It has context. Let's read the very next verse, 29, and talk about character right after it. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, corrected, molded, shaped, conformed into the image or the character of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Woo, that's good stuff. Jesus isn't the only son of God. He's the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among many. That's you and me, the many. We've been brought into the fold. We've been brought into the family. We've been grafted in by the blood of Jesus. And God has predestined us to be conformed to his image. Wow. That's, that's wild. Now, Jesus was gifted. How many guys would say Jesus was a gifted man? My God, he was gifted. But he also grew in fruit. He had the fruit of the Spirit of God working in his life. Now, I know this might sound a little intimidating, but you may have been predestined for conformity to the image of Christ. You look at a snapshot of Jesus. He's in there making a whip, flipping tables, and you say, where's the gentleness, Jesus? I just want to tell you, Jesus had the fruit of the Spirit working perfectly in his life. Where's the gentleness? Get out of here, cattle, right? Driving out the animals, flipping tables, super gentle. Was he at peace? You betcha. Did he have love? Oh my gosh, he loved. So you can take snapshots and make judgments about people's lives, but you don't know really sometimes what fruit looks like. And I want you to catch this. You have been predestined for conformity to the image of Christ. So quit looking at everybody else's judgment. Of, you could judge Jesus. 
for what he did at the tabernacle. Or you'd be like, man, maybe I don't understand what this fruit really looks like on the outside. Conformity to the image of God. If we go all the way back to Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image, our, our likeness. And Adam sinned and he lost that image. Jesus came to restore that image. And since I've received Jesus into my life, that image has been restored to me spiritually. My spirit is completely righteous. But now, like last week, has to be integrated through every part of my life. My mind, my will, my emotions, and my body. To the point where my faith has touched every part of my life. And that fruit would be present and obvious in every facet, every role of my life. Mother, daughter, sister, dad, boss, husband, pastor, son, brother, and so on. Fruit is being grown and producing all over every facet of my life. That's integration. It's called integrity. I want to say, why is integrity so important? Because it's a staple mark of character. Why is character important? Because it's a seed for trust. You can't build anything great without trust. And it's very difficult to have high levels of trust in people that have low levels of character. That's why I'm saying to you, if applied, this series, Solo, can take your life so high. Because you can have trust with your wife again. You can have trust with your kids. Where they don't look at you and disgust, disgusted by your actions. You can build trust again with your coworkers. You can build trust again with yourself. Oh my gosh, how many people have this inner conflict where they don't even like themselves. They confess all the time, I'm lazy, I'm disgusting, I'm not enough. And they're just at enmity with themselves. They don't like themselves. I want to say build trust with yourself. Build trust with the people around you, your family. This solo series, I know it sounds like, yeah, really grating, but it can take your life so high. It's not here to irritate you. It's here to inspire you to be the, all that God has created you to be. And he believes you can do this, people of hope. Say, he believes in me. Let's say it. He believes in me. I can be integral. I can be integrated through and through. I want to encourage you. Walk in the gifts that he's given you without shame, without conformity. And bear the fruit. Bear the fruit that he is growing in you. See, you're not alone in bearing this fruit. You're not alone in going after greater. You're not alone. The Spirit of God is inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And he wants you to grow more than you want to grow. I promise you. And applying this reception of correction, it will change your life. Don't resist. Don't resist. Don't resist welcome. Say, God, I want you. It's uncomfortable, but I receive you. I want to change. I want to be at peace with myself. I want to forgive myself. I want to be set free from the inside out. I want to be integral through and through, all the way to my core. Come on, I feel the Spirit of God here today, people. He wants to set you free. He didn't set you free just for your spirit to be free. He didn't set you free just for your will to be free. He set you free to be free indeed, through and through, from body, soul, and spirit. He wants you completely free. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of deliverance. Today is your day you say, I'm going to build. I'm going to run. I'm sick of faking it. I'm sick of not fruit. 
I hate facades. I want real fruit. I'm gifted. Some of us just need to receive that we're gifted. Say, I'm not gifted like she's gifted, like he's gifted, but I am gifted. Just accept the gift that he's given you. You got good things inside of you. Wherever you're at today with yourself, come on, let's be free to bear fruit and be free to operate in the gifts that God's given us.